0: Almost every night when I was growing up, my mother, um, we, would, we would pray and we'd read the Bible, but uh, my mother would quite often read us a chapter uh, from a missionary story. And the stories that we read back when I was as little as four or five years old um, are stories that still amaze me. We read about these men and women who left their homes, who risked their lives for, um, and even died, many of them, to to share the good news of the gospel with with people who um, they never met. Many of whom uh, hated the thought of the good news and and wanted to kill them. And it it really did um, it. It kind of confused me when I was like, I didn't understand why would they do that. Um, it was amazing to read. They sacrificed themselves and their lives and their hopes and dreams. But I didn't understand at first. And then as I got older, I began to realize that these men and women, they went and they did these things and they lived their lives. Um, and they didn't live them alone, or they didn't live them for themselves, but they had a love that was not their own. And they went in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And as they went, they were empowered to to be witnesses for God, witnesses that we can, many of them, we can read about and be encouraged by their testimonies. And so I was captivated by what really, these very ordinary people could do when God was with them. And so every night after mom would finish the chapter, I'd, I wanted to know more. And sometimes if it was a really exciting spot in the story, I would think about it all the next day and wonder, what happens next? What is God uh, going to do now? And I kind of wonder if the disciples felt like that when Jesus ascended into heaven, if they asked, what now, Lord? See, they had always had Jesus to lead and to guide them and to teach them, and now he was gone. What would happen next? Well, we read in the Bible that just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's Acts 1 verse 8. And so the disciples waited in Jerusalem until God would send the promised Holy Spirit. Why would they do that? Well, for one, Jesus had told them to do that. But secondly, they waited for the power and, and the presence of God. You Think of it this way. What, uh, think of an engine or a body. What good is an engine without fuel or a body without food? Well, we know that the engine isn't going to work and the, the body is just going to slowly deteriorate until you just can't keep going anymore, right? And so a person really cannot be a witness for God without the Spirit of God. It's just not possible. There isn't any power of God. There is no witness for God without the presence of God in our lives. And that is what made the difference in the lives of these missionaries and these people that I read about. Uh, or my mom read about to me when I was young. So if you'll turn in your Bibles, we're going to um, look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read about this wonderful day in history when God sent His Spirit to dwell among His people. This is an amazing and such an important um, time that we uh, look back upon And remember that he is with us and he dwells with his people even today. Um, Acts 2, starting in verse 1, and we'll go for now just to verse 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, 50 days after Passover was the time when the, the Jewish people would celebrate the Feast of Weeks, also known in, in the Old Testament as the Feast of Firstfruits. It was a time where they would give thanks to God for all that He had done and for His uh, covenant faithfulness to them. We usually call it Pentecost, which meant literally 50th, and it was just because it was the 50th day after Passover. And so on this special day, we, we find that the, the, the disciples were gathered together, and suddenly the Spirit of God came upon them all, and God came near to His people. The wind and the fire and, and the supernatural uh, utterance that the uh, Spirit gave were outward signs of His presence. In the Bible, fire and wind especially symbolize the Spirit and His presence among the people. Just think of the pillar of cloud and of fire that was with Israel in the wilderness for the entire time. It went with them, it went before them. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, we read of how Solomon built the temple and he dedicated the temple and A cloud came and filled the temple and the holy of holies, the holy place, filled with the glory of God, a a tangible um, sign of his presence that had come there. And so here, these signs come and show that God has come. He has come upon all of his disciples, all of those who follow Christ. And these signs, you know, it's just, they're not the Spirit, are they, right? Wind and fire isn't, isn't God's Spirit, neither is being able to speak in some other language or tongue. But by these things, the holy and, and supernatural nature of the Spirit was revealed. They point us to and show us very clearly that this was not some normal wind that, oh, it's just a breezy day, you know, like we have in Alberta. This was, it filled the whole room. These tongues of fire, it's not like a house fire, you get a little fire, but it was something beyond. And so it shows us the, uh, the Spirit and reminds us that He came near. The Holy God came to be present with His people. And he came not just to a Moses-like leader, but to each one who was called by his name. God would be their God and would walk among them as he had in the garden. So I want to read a few passages that that, uh, prophesy or foretell of the time when God uh, would send his spirit to be with his people. Ezekiel eleven nineteen tells us, "Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them." Ezekiel thirty six twenty seven, "Then I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them." And lastly, Jeremiah thirty one, verses thirty one to thirty three. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And so these passages, these promises of God, uh, remind us that he, he had said he was going to send his spirit. And we see that his people have been helpless without him. They could not keep his covenant, and so he promises A new covenant. He promises His Spirit to be with them. To enable them to walk in His ways and to make them His people. In the Gospels, we learn that God brought about this new covenant through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, He took the cup and He said, This is the new covenant in my blood. And so it is because of Jesus' death that we have a part in this new covenant. Even as people who were not His people, as, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2. In Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, um, tells us this glorious truth that God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What we could not do, what Israel could not do in keeping, uh, being holy, could not. God has done by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to what? According to the Spirit. And so it is that without the the Spirit, we are not uh, His people. We are not a new creation. We need His presence in our lives. In Acts chapter 2, at the Feast of Pentecost, God was fulfilling His promise. So that in Christ, as Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 tells us, the Spirit is the down payment or the guarantee of the inheritance to come. He is like a seal on a legal document that says that this document is is legitimate. God's Spirit proves, like that seal, that we are a part of His people. Because of the blood of Jesus, who died for our sins. So without the Spirit, we are without God. But with God's Spirit, we are a new creation. We are His people. We are God's witnesses. Monuments to the grace of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue in Acts chapter 2, verses 5 to 13, and really throughout the entire book of Acts, We see that in the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples were a supernatural witness. And a witness that was understood by all the people. So I want to read those verses. Verses 5 to 13. But now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at, the sound of, at this sound the multitudes came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How do we hear them each in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? While others mocking said they are filled with new wine. God's power could transcend any barrier. And so, in just one day, people that were representing many nations would hear the gospel. When we read that list and we see it, um, the, the many countries that these people came from, and when you actually go back even to Genesis and compare it to Genesis 10, the table of nations, those that came from Shem, Hem, and Japheth, it's amazing to see that they all. From all these nations and peoples heard the gospel that day, and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The nations that were scattered by the curse of Babylon were being gathered together under Christ. And the promise to Abraham that in his seed, the seed that is Christ, all nations would be blessed. It is a wonderful... um, Reminder to us of what God is doing even today, in bringing all nations and peoples from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation to Himself to worship Him. And so, Peter stands up to full, uh, explain the fulfillment of God's promise. There were many people there um, who believed, and yet there were many who, who mocked. And so. He explains that this is not some drunkenness or or foolishness, but it is the fulfillment of God's promise as spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes a number of verses from Joel chapter 2. And so I'll read um, in Acts 2, 14 to 21, the conclusion of our text for this morning. and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, in this prophecy of Joel, we see that the presence of God would be evident with all, and here it was that sons and daughters, young men, old men, servants, masters. Well, male and female would uh, be filled with the Spirit. He would be with his people. And this sign, which came about on the day of Pentecost, um, would signal the last days. This time of abundant harvest, the messianic era when, when people from every nation would be gathered into his kingdom. And these last days that we now live in will conclude with his holy presence coming in fiery judgment on the day of his return. And so we come at the end of verse 21 to this culminating and central truth that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, to, to invoke the name of the Lord was to call Him your God. It wasn't just saying a prayer, but it was to come into covenant with Him. And so it was a great sin to take the name of the Lord and not to mean it. It's not enough for us to know and to want the benefits of knowing God. I mean, I don't know about you, but if we think of sin and we recognize our sin, who doesn't want to be saved? Who doesn't want to be forgiven? But to call upon the name of the Lord is more than that. It is to to want God in our lives. It is to want Him to have His way in us. There are a lot of people today who want to experience power and and uh, these benefits apart from experiencing God could be like Simon the magician in Acts chapter 8 who who wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit but he didn't want the Lord himself he didn't understand that this power that this experience that these believers were experiencing was because they knew God. You can't separate those two things. To call on the name of the Lord is to give him the possession of our heart, offering our body as a temple for his holy presence. And so as it says in 1 Peter 2, we are a people of his own possession. We belong to him so that we would proclaim his excellencies, his greatness. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so we must ask the question, have I, have you, called on the name of Jesus. And if we have called in the name of Jesus, then his spirit enables us to be his witness. And now is the time to focus on being in a right relationship with him, living for his praise as uh, sacrificing uh, our offerings of praise to him with our lives and allowing him to do what he wants in us, because God, God's Spirit then transforms us into His witnesses, as it says in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, five seventeen, we are a new creation, reconciled to God, that we might declare the the message of reconciliation. 1 Corinthians two, four and five says. This is Paul speaking. He says, My speech, my preaching, was not with persuasive words of human wisdom. It doesn't work. But my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith is in the, the gospel, that which is the power of God to those who believe. And this is why Jesus told them to wait for power. It's why you and I desperately need the Holy Spirit to show the power of God to this generation. We can have all the learning in the world and all of the best intentions and programs or whatever, but we cannot live the Christian life without God. We can't live the Christian life without Longing for and living for and in the Spirit of God. We may try a lot. But we must come back to verses like John fifteen five, which says, Apart from me, you can do a few things, some things, nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet, also remember verses like Philippians four thirteen, where I can do all things through who, through Christ who strengthens me. And many days it may not feel like that is is possible. May uh, not I don't experience the power of God. I don't feel like I'm good enough or or whatever. But every day, we can wake up and we can offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices. Sacrifices of, of praise to Him for what He has done. And we can remind ourselves that I am not my own. Uh, that I was bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ and ask His Spirit to guide us and to strengthen us, so that we would uh, live for His glory in all that we do. And God, the God who has saved us by the blood of Jesus Christ and given us His Spirit, will be faithful to do it. We believe that we are a, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, We will understand that God, with his power, his strength, is made perfect in our weaknesses. And he will not not leave us or forsake us. And so really what this boils down to is, is the question, do we, do I really want God to transform me into his witness? Do I really want to be his possession, or do I just want to be happy and feel feel okay for for you know I'm not going to hell? Do we really want the Lord in our lives? Every moment we have choices to seek Him or not to seek Him. But every moment God is with those who call upon His name because He will. Keep his promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are saved to tell of the kindness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Through God's Spirit, we are God's witnesses. I want to close by asking, so what what happens next? What is God going to do in our lives today? How will he use us to tell the story of Jesus Christ? And his love. and conclude with uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.